0: Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and today we're talking to one of my mentors and really my best friend, Dr. Kevin Ezel.
1: Once again, I just want to remind our listeners of the master plan here. We believe that culture is mediated through leadership over time and that culture is shaped by our leaders, so we're getting to know some of those who have most influenced our leader, Jimmy Scroggins, and Kevin Ezel is at the top of that list, so we're so honored that he would join us today. You know, Jimmy, we just did a podcast with Dr. Jack Graham, and we talked about his friendship with O.S. Hawkins. Isn't your friendship with Kevin... Pretty much on par with that?
0: Well, I'd say we're probably better friends than Jack and OS. Yeah. And, and in fact, people have actually called us the new Jack and OS. Well, there you go. I know. So <laughs> Kevin and I actually worked together for almost 12 years at Highview Baptist Church. He hired me when I was 25 years old. Uh, he was 35, and he was a senior pastor of a church that had a lot of trouble and difficulty. And he took a chance on a guy who'd really never been uh, at a church anything like that and hired me to be his youth pastor. And so Kristen and I moved to Louisville with our one-year-old son, James, and then just a great friendship really took root. Leslie, Mm -hmm. we started working together and God really blessed our church. And he taught me a lot about leadership and about being a dad and about being a husband. And Lynette really uh, was a great kind of big sister in the Lord to Kristen. And then our kids grew up together and our kids were tremendous friends. And so we've done... We've been to weddings together and funerals together. Uh, my youngest son, Caleb, is actually named after Kevin. And uh, so there's really nobody that I would rather get to talk to about leadership than Kevin Ezell.
1: Me neither, because he has the funniest stories about you.
0: I know, and I hopefully he won't <laughs> tell too many of them today. So let's just go ahead and go to our interview before the two of you really get cranking here. <laughs> hey, Kevin, won't you tell our listeners a little bit about your family and then a little bit about uh, kind of your journey in ministry? Sure. Uh, I
2: have a wife, Lynette, as you just mentioned. We have six children and six grandchildren. Um, I have two daughters that are married, two sons that are in college, a senior and a freshman, and then uh, we have an 11th grader and a 9th grader. Our youngest three uh, children we adopted from three different countries, uh, China, Philippines, and Ethiopia. So I often tell people we have six kids from four different countries. (laughs) When watch the Olympics, we win. That's
0: right. A lot of the time that's um, true.
2: We have six grandchildren, and two of those, each of our daughters adopted uh, a child, one uh, from a mother that was addicted to drugs and another uh, mixed racial child and just been incredible blessings. So um, that's the family,
0: as as you well know. And I love every one of them and so thankful for them. Hey, Kevin, talk about your journey in ministry. Tell us how you kind of, uh, you didn't start out as the president of Nam. So what happened before that?
2: Yeah, my very first church voted me in seven to zero.
0: Yeah, only, unanimous. Um, call.
2: <laughs> and uh, that's true. And uh, I was there for two years. Uh, we grew up to about 50. It was just door-to-door, to door-to-door visitation. And uh, so real thankful for that. And then from there, I went to a church in Tennessee. I went to a church in Marion, Illinois. And they were all you know pretty small situation. My very first full-time church had about 80 in it and uh be we able to grow and you know i'm not an incredibly gifted speaker i'm not incredibly deep theologically i just bear relational and try to connect with people and that's really what i did at at hartsville tennessee and in Marion, illinois again it was just trying to connect with people and as i try to communicate the gospel i wanted to be kind of like uh you know as they, they would hear me communicate. That they would know, hey, that's somebody I wouldn't mind hanging out with, and and they would hopefully listen to the gospel that way. And it, it, it God was very gracious to bless it far mm-hmm. beyond uh, you know, what we deserved in marrying. And then, then went to view and view was the bigger challenge for me because it was the church was in such a, a difficult, going through such a difficult time. I followed a pastor who had an uh, an affair and had been having an affair for about seven years. And it was
0: that guy is, that guy was persistent, wasn't he? <laughs>
2: yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and as you know, he was having an affair with the woman that, that the music minister was having an affair with at the yeah. same time. It was a little and weird. So it was, uh, you know, you go to church like that and people find out those things, they don't trust the position of mm-hmm. pastor very well. And that's why when you got there, you know, I told you, you, you do not trust anyone but me. And uh, we're going to put our backs together and walk out of this thing, hopefully alive. And uh, the moment you start to trust somebody, you come, and, you come and let me know about it, and I'll talk you out of it. <laughs> yep. Because uh, it was pure war. And that's why I think God, you know, minted our hearts together as he did. Because once you're, you spend time in a foxhole together and years in a foxhole, yeah, you become very
0: close, obviously. It's funny that you say that because I remember whenever uh, you offered me a job and I accepted it and I went home and told Kristen – 'Cause I think I think I accepted it over the phone. And so I was like she's like, We're doing what? I said, Yeah. I said, Don't worry, we're just gonna move to Louisville, we're gonna go to this church. I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna get fired soon, so it won't last long, but let's go give it a try. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I thought you asked me, How long do you plan on being here? And I said, Well, you know <laughs> that's probably not the best question to ask Yeah, you didn't plan on being here. How oh, long you think they'll keep me? I'm not
0: sure. Well, you were there for a long time, and God really blessed that ministry, and you were able to lead our church to go multi-site, and you really became one of the leading pastors in the country, at least in terms of uh, Southern Baptist life. And then God called you to the North American Mission Board. And what was that like when you became the president of NAM?
2: Yeah, it was. You know, it was, honestly, in some ways, it was a real sad day uh, I love pastoring. <laughs> and, and a year into it I didn't realize how sad it was going to be <laughs> yeah but I just miss pastoring so much and just to know you're flushing all of those relations and sense all of those funerals and all those weddings and all those hospital visits and all the chips that you gain from just the relationships you're just flushing all of that and then moving to something where you're distance yourself from people. As I just said, I'm very relational. And so the part where I, I get the most from is just the connecting uh, with people. And I'm in a position now where I do, but it's in more of a distant type relationship. And and I was going to an entity I didn't really believe in. You know, I, I didn't believe in, in the way they were doing it. And, and that's why I told them, like, look, if you call me to do this, we have got to blow this up to some degree. And it because it was not designed to be church friendly. And Nam originally was created to come alongside and assist churches, associations, and conventions, and not the other way around. Pastors always are real gracious to say, "Hey, how can I help Nam?" And you know, actually, we're here to help churches and to throw gas on a fire and help churches do what they you know they can do to some degree. Some things on their own, obviously, but. Hopefully, with our help, they can they can do maybe two times or three times what they could do on their own.
0: And I love it that you're there, Kevin, because uh, when you and I served together at Highview, one of our biggest frustrations was from time to time, convention entities or even the state convention or whatever would would come to us and say, "Hey, we've got a brand new thing we're going to do. We want you to host it, or we want you to buy these, or we want you to you yeah. know do this curriculum." And you're just kind of like, "Golly, I want to be a team player, but..." Man, you're not helping me. You're making me help you with your thing. How about helping us with our things? And you've kind of right sided the conversation to where you're saying, "How can Nam strengthen churches that are going to actually do the work?" And I think it's such a powerful shift.
2: Oh well, that's, it's got to be church focused, man. I remember the remember, remember the night I, I got elected. You happened to be in Atlanta. And oh yeah, we came over. They gave me the key, and uh, <laughs> we came over to Nam. I had never been to Nam. Uh, me either. Until the day after I was elected. <laughs> that night, when you and I came and kind of, we found my office together. <laughs>
0: yeah, we did. We had a fun time. We toured the building, and it was a really exciting thing. It was hard to believe that after all of those little churches and all of those difficult times and difficult business meetings and difficult conversations, that God would take you and put you in a position of such influence and responsibility, but uh, what a great choice that the North American Mission Board made, and that's been verified by what you've done. Hey, Kevin, what were some of, aside from uh, turning things to focus on churches, what were some of the major cultural shifts that you have made as the president of the North American Mission Board?
2: Well, I mean, the biggest cultural shift was that pastors are our number one customer. We're here to serve the pastors, and we, we have a monthly uh, staff meeting, and we go over that every month. Uh, that, that we are here to serve them. They're not here to serve us. If it were not for churches, there would be no NAM, there would be no IMB, there would be no associations, there would be no state conventions. I mean, churches are the key. And the other cultural shift is instead of you – know, we try to bring about a sense of focus. The name was about doing everything. My word, we had literal clowns on staff. We had resort <laughs> minister missionaries.
0: And you mean the kinds of yeah. like painted their faces and
2: stuff, not like, you're exactly. not. Exactly. Okay. No, we actually had them on staff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, That's a I scary mean,
1: place had, to work right there. Uh, no. My husband would exactly. never work in that place. <laughs>
2: That's exactly. Well, he had, you know, there's just so many, and they were well, well-intentioned, and they're not doing necessarily bad things. They just weren't doing the. Best thing. We we weren't getting much accomplished because we were trying to uh, just do everything. So we just tried to narrow the menu, if you will. And everything we do at NAM is about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. But we do that primarily in two ways. Through sin network, the church planning side and, and where we plant churches everywhere for everyone. And then the sin relief side. Where we just try to help churches meet needs and change lives. In two thousand ten when it came to NAM, the budget for church planning was around thirteen percent of our budget was uh, for church planting. Today it's at 58, 59% of our budget goes to church planting. And so that was one of the big cultural shifts of trying to focus on. To me, that is the best strategy to reach North America is to plant more churches. We've just not kept up with the population increase.
1: That's so good, and I only know a post-Kevin Ezell North American Mission Board in my role here at Family Church, and I know you've helped us so much. So how did you come up with that focus, Kevin? What, what, was the, what heart did you have to do that?
2: You know, it really came, and Jimmy knows, I mean, many, many times we sit in a staff meeting and think, you know, what we could do if we just had the resources, you know? And we mm-hmm. would even contact North American Mission Board and say, look, we can do this, but we're limited. But we've got a really good strategy. If you could help us, we could do two or three times that. And honestly, a lot of the strategy here was birthed out of the frustration of being a pastor and NAM not being a factor in how we tried to reach our community. And so, you know, I just don't remember. Just an example, when I was still at Highview, I had a guy come in want me to be a reference for him, and he wanted to be a missionary at Nam. And, of course, I was like, man, you need to ask somebody else, you know, that he— Kid had gone to seminary, but he had never, never engaged in any ministry at all. And anyway, he applied at Nam and wanted me to be the reference. So it was. I put on the reference sheet. You know, when I asked, "Would you hire this person?" I put, you know, under no conditions would I ever hire this person.
0: And, <laughs> Could and you be I'm more direct?
2: Not, That's right. <laughs> he told him not to use me. You
0: know?
2: and, <laughs> and so he came in two weeks later and says, "I don't know what you said to Nam, but thanks. They, you know, they they hired me to be a missionary." Well, what he didn't know was in two weeks they were going to be announcing me to be the president. <laughs> that <was> the very <laughs> first question I ask is who signed off on that application because they obviously could not read what I said. You know, right. and that means it shows me how little you think of pastors, hmm. even their evaluation of a missionary if you didn't even read it. You know, and so that was the first person of several hundred we let go. Yeah.
1: That is a big cultural shift. So, do you feel like with the changes you've made, do you feel like they're working?
2: Yeah, we do. I mean, obviously, a hundred percent work. No, you know, and then anything you you try like this, uh, you're going to do your very best, and some are going to work better than others. So, we feel like, and uh, we we're very pleased at where we are. We've got an incredible amount of traction. Have we won in every case, or is it really? accelerating in every area no i mean we got places like chicago that's been very very difficult to get things moving and there's perhaps a lot of factors in there i don't have a lot of excuses to give you i can't really under you know i don't understand how why it's so hard to recruit high capacity guys in certain cities but that's what we need we could plant 100 churches tomorrow 100 more churches tomorrow if i had the high capacity planners that we need And we just don't have enough planters. And, uh, you know, we want to plant 1,200 churches a year. IMB, the last five years, have appointed 150 missionaries a year. So I need 1,200 planters. They need 150. That's 1,350 missionaries that we need a year. And that's less than one-tenth of 1% of Southern Baptists. And so our biggest challenge is we, we're just not producing. We don't have a pipeline, mm. if you will, of missionaries and potential. If we're going to reach North America, we've just got to be more intentional. And that's why I'm so grateful for Family Church, for the way that you guys
0: intend. You have an intentional plan to raise up bivocational vocational and, and vocational missionaries. Well, you guys have really made a big difference for us. And you have poured gas on the fire here. There are things that we would do with Nam or without Nam, But because Nam comes alongside us and because— Other significant partners like the Florida Baptist Convention come alongside us. We can do more, faster, and better. Uh, Kevin, you get to hear a lot of great stories uh, about church planters and church planting. Why don't you tell us one of the best stories you've heard about a church planter or a church plant just in the last month?
2: Uh, My word, there's uh, so many—I mean, we just had one just Sunday, a Felix in in San Juan in Puerto Rico. There had not been a church planted in, in San Juan and over a decade and now we have seven going we have an incredible uh, planner, felix uh his very first is the very first uh a service at uh, 80 there in, in San Juan that we're really excited about. It's just amazing some of the things like, uh, you know, you look out in, in Denver and you see a band, Ben Mandrell and uh, a remodeled right. Walmart running over $1,500. is not that
0: incredible? Now, three
2: years. and yeah. you know, There's a, a pastor up in uh, Augusta, Maine. I love to talk about Dan Coleman. is incredible. He was having three services in basically what looked like a two-car garage. <laughs> and he, he could get 70 people in that. And he had three services, so he's running around two hundred in Augusta, Maine. There's only there's only about sixteen SBC churches in in Maine. Period. And one point four million people. And Augusta is a capital. Well, a Catholic church went belly up there, and they wanted one point eight million dollars for it. And I asked Dan, I mean, where, where are you going to uh, move now? And he had no idea. And he, he's the one that told me about the Catholic church. He said, Look, my work, ninety percent of my people are new new Christians. We don't have that kind of money. And so Nan was able to go in there. We offered them four hundred thousand, and they took it. And uh, we were to put Dan and his church in there, and they took out a loan for that amount of money. We helped them do that, and now they're running uh, over twelve hundred. And it's just it's just fun to see, you know, guys out there like Dan who love the Lord busting it just need some help you know to get over the hump in some areas and then they just take off and uh i could give you story after story of, and some of the most exciting things are happening on college campuses you know to have a church of 400 on the university of minnesota you know church of over 200 in the university of wisconsin and man the, the, these churches are not just students they're community and campus and so they're self-sustaining after two years and just did an incredible job, and they themselves now planning churches. And that's what we have to do is have to have churches planning churches, planning, churches, planning churches in order to do this. And uh, that's just a few of the, the stories.
0: Hey, Kevin, if there was a pastor listening right now who wants to get involved in church planning with Nam and say, yeah, my church ought to be involved with that, how would they go about doing that?
2: Yeah, simplest way is go to nam dot net. It's an easy drop down menu. Uh, we've actually we've proof tested it with a third grader. It's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> and this is I'm a pastor or I'm a you know I want to be a planner or whatever. And you click on that and then uh, there's somebody from Nam will contact you within 24 hours and typically less than that. And so we like to call ourselves we're like the E Harmony of Church Planning. We love to connect planners with churches and churches with planners. And let churches hit the easy button when it comes to missions.
0: Well, I love that. And so if you are listening and and we have thousands of people be hearing this podcast and you want to get your church involved with church planning with the North American Mission Board, or if you yourself want to be a planter, you can do that at NAM.net. And uh, that makes it so simple. Right. I, Kevin. And, and if you
2: happen to be an International Mission Board missionary, and you want it to defect over to NAM, you can still go to dot. NAM. <laughs> NAM.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Hey, what would you say, Kevin, to a pastor who knows he should be doing more when it comes to church planting? He's not sure what to do, and he's at an absolute zero when it comes to his it, church involvement. How could he move from like a zero to like a, a two? How could he even just move the needle? How could he begin?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You would not want to start with investing any kind of money. Your church is not there, not to that point yet. We have a, a program where you can simply pray for a planner. If you if you contact us and say, look, we want to pray, and you pick a city, any city, say Los Angeles, and we'll send you baseball hats for the Dodgers with a little Nam logo on it as prayer reminders to all your leaders and just get your people to adopt a people that they would actually pray for, or even a specific, not just a city, maybe a specific missionary. Um, and you pick a missionary, but you begin to pray for that missionary, and and you get on. You encourage your people to send them emails, and to mention today we have such an advantage where we can contact missionaries all over the world, you know, with a click of a button. And so, I would just encourage them to take the first step to pray. And, and we we say it's real simple. You pray. Then you lead them to participate. That means, or they may go and even just go and and, and enjoy a a worship service with a planter somewhere. And then ultimately, they may get to where they want to provide for one. But pray, participate, and
0: provide. You know, that's what my family and I do when we go on vacation. We usually try to locate a Nam Church plant in the area where we're staying so that we can go worship with them and then meet them, encourage them, maybe do something special for the pastor and his family. And so I love our family being able to be involved in that way. And Kevin, you know, the North American Mission Board has become such a powerful organization and one thing I'd like to stress to our listeners is that even if you are not uh, networked right now with the Southern Baptist Convention, you could still participate in church planting through the North American Mission Board, either by giving or by praying or by going. And you can figure out how to do all of that at nam.net. So Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's always fun to talk with you. Your work means so much to me personally and to our people at Family Church. And we know that the North American Mission Board is in good hands under your leadership. And I'm grateful that you have put the focus squarely on helping churches plant churches. So for all of our listeners, check it out, nam.net, And we'll see you next time on Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.